Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast. This is, at long last, another Patreon episode. It has been a while, y'all. And if you're hearing this now, you might be hearing just the preview in the main feed, but you Patreon folks, you're going to get the whole deal. Um, those of you freeloaders, I love you too for listening, but uh, you're going to get, I think, a quarter of the episode, so it should still be a good chunk. But today, things were, we're mixing it up. Like usual, it's a brand new uh, format. I mean, I guess this will only be a one-parter if we're going to cover... If we cover everything like we're going to try. The theme is the the Beatles. It's a Beatles TMBG episode. I don't... That wasn't a very... I don't know if that was Lennon or... Uh, did that sound more like Lennon? Maybe that was a Harrison. Uh, <laughs> a little. <laughs> Who I can never keep straight. They, all, I always thought that the Harrison ones were also John Lennon, like when I was younger, because they sound they sound very similar to me. Anyway, so TMBG has done Beatles and Beatles related things for like pretty much their whole career. I mean, the oldest one's going to be Yellow Submarine, right? That was ninety two. They did that. Yeah, and actually, That's... it even goes back further than that because oh, well, there's on first? the wiki. Uh, don't worry, Kyoko was the first song you ever recorded. They think. Oh right, yeah, so, we did yes. talk about that. I forget that. Yeah, when they were yeah. around fifteen years old. Insane, insane. So yeah, Beatles episode. Uh, this is uh, Chris Oliveric returning for uh, the. Fo- I think it's the fifth time because you were also on. You were on a Patreon peeps episode back when yes. I was doing those. So I think five times. So let's see. Yeah. Reprehensible. Reprehensible came first. And that was, I've already forgotten what number episode I said that was. Um, 96. Okay, so that was uh, September 28th of 2020? 2020. That makes sense. Okay, and then uh, you were on... What came first, the Patreon peeps one or... Well, the regular ones you're on, Reprehensible, Experimental Film, and you were the first book episode with Part of You Wants to Believe Me. Uh, you kicked off that run of like four book episodes in a row, and uh, you were also on a Patreon Peeps episode um, when we were having just like a little loose chats with the Patreons because I hit $100 on the thing. Those were fun. I'm not sure how many people listened to those, but like those of us on the call had fun, so it was it was mm-hmm. worth it. You know, who knows who would listen to it, but we had fun chatting. I don't remember what we talked about. I remember we're <laughs> It was a long I mean, time just, ago. Yeah, it was just kind of like a loose chat. I remember ahead of time, we're like, let's come up with like a couple TMBG topics. I'd have to go back and listen. Um, but those were like bonus episodes. I think we put them in the free feed the whole way through, though. I can't remember. Anyway, you're back again. Um, fifth episode for you. Second special episode for you. It's the Beatles doing TMBG. So we are going to attempt to get through. We got four main tunes to cover. Savoy Truffle. Uh, which one did I say we were going to do second? Ram on. Ram on. Mm-hmm. The Paul McCartney solo tune off of my favorite of all the solo Beatles 
albums. We'll talk about that when we get there. That's a big album for me. Um, and then their version of Yellow Submarine live. And then uh, Particle Man done in the style of the Beatles, specifically Strawberry Fields. We can talk about that. Psychedelic Beatles, I guess at least we could say for sure. You know, why don't we get a, a brief history of, of like what have, what have the Beatles meant to you? Uh, did you hear them growing up or yeah, what's the deal with your Beatles fandom? All right. My Beatles fandom is right up there with my, they might be giants fandom. I got into the Beatles about the same time I got into, they might be giants around 1992. And yeah, it was all obsessive because that was during the time where they were starting to come back with the live at the BBC sessions being officially released and then that rolled right into the beatles anthology and living in the new york area i was able to go to beetle fest many years which is the giant beatles fan convention and Mm. was able to get my hands on a lot of bootlegs that way and really get deep into them um to the point i have now seen mccartney live 13 times I've seen Ringo. That's a lot more money spent than seeing TMBG a bunch of times. Yeah, just a little bit more. <laughs> um, yeah, and it even man. goes down to the point during his 2002 tour, I was in line for the show in Cleveland because that's where I was living at the time. And I randomly bumped into somebody who was in the mall that's attached to the arena and got to meet Paul because it happened to be his girlfriend at the time with Abe, the drummer. Um, and I wound up, yeah, I wound up getting invited to the next night in Detroit and I actually got myself on a DVD as a Macamaniac in the bonus section. So yeah, damn dude, my Beatles fandom is as big as my, they might be giants fandom. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. Oh, uh, sidebar. I was forgetting about your Cleveland uh, roots there. If we did Particle Man in Cleveland, if you came back to the the Cleve, you could be on that roundtable. I was there a whopping 18 months. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you don't, Uh, do you have relatives there though? Nope. I got moved out there Uh, for a job. And yeah, then from there wound up in Florida because gotcha. got laid off in 03 and they paid for me to move to Disney. That's cool. Yeah. My history of cities is basically New Jer- Northern New Jersey, just outside of Manhattan, Rutherford, New Jersey, to Providence, Rhode Island, to Cleveland, to Orlando. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of cities. Yeah, my Beatles fandom goes way back, and I don't know how much of it I've talked about on the show because we haven't done any of the Beatles covers as episodes yet, and we're doing them all now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up on the Beatles, and you know, I told you in the chat there, I have two copies of the what they call the double A side, Penny Lane, Strawberry Fields Forever uh, single, the 45. I got one of them hanging since I got two copies. One of them, neither of them are mint. They were my parents. I got it. It's over there somewhere on the wall going down the stairs. And then I've got the other one because I don't remember if it was my mom or dad still had the sleeve. 
So I still got the sleeve, the picture, uh, the weird, like, you know, psychedelic picture in the, with the glass mirror. I don't even know what's hard to describe. Anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, the Beatles were like in my DNA and just, you know, hearing them so much growing up. I mean, they were probably, you know, my dad will listen to this and correct me if I'm wrong, but they're probably the most played, you know, artist band like in the house growing up. I mean, we heard a lot of Fleetwood Mac and some Bowie and I mean, any of the solo Beatles stuff too. Um, I mean, yeah, along with, you know, classical and lots, lots of other stuff, but um, they were, they've got to be the number one spun, you know, if there was back when my dad was doing vinyl or when he got the CDs of Beatles, you know, they don't keep those stats like Spotify does. So you can't, yes, exactly. you'll never know for sure. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, kids, back in the day, we used to listen to things and not tell everyone about it <laughs> through data. My first car was known as a yellow submarine. It was a 1978 Cadillac Eldorado Canary Yellow. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's big enough to be a submarine. Probably, <laughs> float, probably float if it took it into a lake. Yeah. Man, that's great. I love that. So many of my friends in high school had those big 70s like boat cars, boat of cars. I'll just leave mine at that in the interest of time. Yeah, I'll talk about Ram more when we get there, but we're going to talk about... Savoy Truffle first. Now, as far as this particular Beatles song goes, what are your thoughts on this or any stories about Savoy this Truffle? This is or a, album? a fun song from the White Album. I mean, it's a very shallow song. It is written about <laughs> a box of chocolates that he happened to be eating uh, when he was around Eric Clapton, and they had lots of cavities, supposedly from eating the amount of chocolate they did. But he's basically just listing the d types of chocolates that were in this box of Good News branded chocolates. So it's all the different <laughs> types. Um, yeah, it is a list song by all means of it. But It's, it's it their money for dope. Yeah, it gave George another <laughs> song on the album. Yep. I'm just trying to get another song on the record. <laughs> You've seen Walk Hard, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to get another song on the record. <laughs> I love that. The thing I quote from that the most, though, like Jack Black is McCartney. He's just so hilarious. I mean, Paul Rudd is. Mm -hmm. And Jason Schwartzman is Ringo. <laughs> Care to join us for some LSD, do we? It's mm. good for you. It, by scientists, uh, it is. Lysergic. Gotta check with headquarters. Mom, Dewey Cox. Think you might enjoy it. Open up your mind to new experience, a new level of consciousness like we do because we are the Beatles. Why don't you just let him decide if he wants to take LSD, he'll take it. He doesn't have to listen to you. You're not the boss of him. Don't tell me what to say and what not to say, Paul McCartney. I'm sick of you being so dark when I'm so impish and whimsical. I'm sick of it. Hey, everyone, I'm I've got a brand new mantra, hmm? Mm, Paul's a big fat cunt. <laughs> don't know why you do and let me write more songs. You know? I, just, I just sit here while my guitar quietly whimpers. Well, you are the quiet one, so why don't you shut the fuck up? I've got a song about an octopus. Jam it up your ass. You're lucky we still like to play drums. Mm. Wow. Seems like there's a rift happening between the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> or the pet sounds aping scene where they bring the goat into the... Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
A hundred didgeridoos. It's still not finished yet. I'm hearing more aboriginal percussionists. And I want an army of didgeridoos. 50,000 didgeridoos. Anyway, uh, so Savoy Truffle, uh, I, I mean, I think my, my, the white album, I don't know if it really split fans at the time, but I think maybe people looking back on the Beatles don't give the white album as much of its due as they should. I don't know if I'm reading the room right or whatever, but like the kids, you know, that's not the one where it's like, all killer, no filler. Like, there is filler, but that's part of the fun of it. I don't know. Do you think the White Album is kind of ignored by, uh, you know, the youngins who might hear the Beatles? That You know, they might be like, oh, everyone says Sgt. Pepper and Revolver are the best. I'll get those and then ignore something like the White Album. I think the White Album for a while was sort of viewed as, oh, there's a lot of extra. How do we bounce this down to one disc? But then when they issued the box set for it in 2018, um, that really opened up like, oh, wait, there was a lot going on then. Because like if you listen to any of that, there's all the acoustic demos and then all the outtakes and everything. And it's like this is where we started seeing, oh, wait, they were really doing a lot of things all at once. So I think kids today are starting to get into it a little more because it's more modern than some of the other stuff. Because it's back to the roots. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's sort of where they started falling apart a little bit. Yeah, I see them where you can be like, all right, they're starting to kind of like find their solo direction. Yes. (laughs) You know, yeah. But I mean... Fuck. I mean, back in the USSR, what an opener. Yeah, but Ringo doesn't drum on it. Paul does. Because that was during his solo career, like I said. Yeah, that's where Ringo walked out during that (laughs) time. So. Oh, Ringo. Yeah, dear prudence, obladio, ladao. I'm a guitar gently weeps. Happiness is a warm gun. Can't go wrong there. A lot of good covers of that song. Yes birthday i've done that one with uh classes before and that was one again just beatles being around the house like anybody's birthday like my dad would be playing that or singing it you know and yeah i love your your blues that's not a hit but i love that one um i mean helter skelter Jeez, the uh susie and the banshees cover of helter skelter is uh terrifying and awesome you ever heard that no I need to look Susie that and the Banshees. Up. Susie and the Banshees, they got lumped in with like the punk crowd. Their first it's on their first album, which is pretty uh punk, but they became like one of like the premier like forefront of like the goth movement. So it takes like you know, the knowing what Helter Skelter became known for. Uh Manson. Yeah. <laughs> like take taking that knowledge and like putting it into a version of the song in a way. They don't change the lyrics or anything, but it's like, it's spooky.
album, but um, I'm not a huge fan of their later gothier stuff. The first album was like goth punk. It's cool. Um, yeah. So White Elm, great album. I love the. I mean, I love Revolution Number Nine. I always did. I think because hearing it as a kid, I was like. This is wacky. This is fun. You know, it's just weird, right? I like yeah. the seeming, seemingly random to me as a kid, especially. And then appreciating it more as an adult as like, okay, they went like diving into like a pile of like reel to reel tapes and just like, at the, and just figuring out like what they could put together, like, which just sounds super them. fun to me. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds super fun to me. I mean, it's an eight-minute... Is that the only Beatles song that cracks eight minutes? It's got to be, right? Hold on. I mean, hey, they were not known for long songs. I hey, mean, towards Jude the end. is up there. That's not over eight minutes, though. No, Hey, Jude is 710. Yeah, that would be the one probably for... The longest far as studio tracks at least gonna be the longest but yeah i thought it was super fun it's it's super cool in other ways and just yeah all the what some people might call filler i think that's part of like the experience it's like any good you know double album i mean like uh you know like rolling stones exile on main street like there's some like throwaway ones where it's just like oh here's mick jagger fucking around or whatever but it's still cool and it's fun like to see a band like trying new things yeah just like why not you know they've all got some good ones i mean even ringo's ones i love all i love i love the weird ones you know harrison's piggies you know that's a great i mean um, what's observation of culture at the time yeah mm-hmm, especially sure. if you listen to the acoustic version which has an extra verse Oh, yeah. I think I have heard that. Yeah. And this track listing on the back half of uh, like the B side of the first LP. I mean, you're talking, I'm not sure which one starts the fir- the B side, but I mean, you got Blackbird. Okay. So like pretty serious song. And then Piggy's like totally different kind of serious song. And then you got Rocky Raccoon and then you got Ringo's Don't Pass Me By. And then you got Why Don't We Do It In The Road. I mean, that string of songs is just wildly... I mean, that's like TMBG levels of just like... One genre to the other. Yeah, just all over the map. So Savoy Truffle is not one that necessarily uh, stuck with me as much as so many of the others that I mentioned. And it's... I mean... It's It's on side four. Yeah, it's one that like... Okay, that makes sense that TMBG would pick it. Like, you know, there's this... Tribute compilation. Do you want to tell people about the, what this was on? The yeah, so there is this compilation that came out called Songs from the Material World, a tribute to George Harrison. This came out in 2003 on Koch Records. Um, so two Harris, years. Harrison died in 2001. Oh, yeah, November yeah. of 2001. And it's got some great, interesting covers on here. It has Todd Rundgren doing While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Uh, Dave Davies of the Kinks doing Gimme Love, Gimme Peace on Earth. John Entwistle of The Who, who had died by this point, does Here Comes the Sun. 
Um, wow. They might be giants with Savoy truffle, the smithereens. I want to tell you, Bill Wyman does tax man. Uh, those company. are the big names. Oh, and big head yeah. Todd and the monsters does within you yeah. without you. I always forget about that band, but yeah, team BG being on the same compilation as a member of the Rolling Stones and a member of the who, like that's pretty, that's, pretty that's cool. me. Yeah. And it looks like they might be giants recorded this probably somewhere around between probably Oh two Oh three. Yeah. So it came out in Oh three. I mean, they would have been, you know, asked to do it. I, you know, yeah, they probably recorded it in Oh two. What? Yeah. When did this come out? In O two, well, either way, it came out in February of O three. I mean, yeah. So yeah, so they would have been recording in in uh, two thousand two. Oh yeah, and I guess I would have dropped in the original at some point there in all the talking. Here's here's the TMBG version. Cream tangerine and Montalimar. A ginger sling with a pineapple heart. A coffee dessert, yes, you know it's good news. have already failed at our timekeeping but that's all right we're talking beatles we combine beatles and team bg like between the two of us it's just asking for trouble yeah so exactly. what are your <laughs> so what are your what are your thoughts on their version of savoy truffle and actually first question did you hear their version of savoy truffle when this comp was new yes this is an original okay. album i bought in 03 because I was like, CD. 
I was very excited because I'm like, ooh, it's a Beatles and they might be giants together. How often does this happen? And this is pre-YouTube and, of course, Spotify and everything else. You had to buy stuff. Yeah. I had to go find the record shop and, yeah, purchase it and see if they even had it in stock. I think I had to drive to Columbus, Ohio for this from Cleveland to go to Virgin Megastore. Kids don't understand, and I wouldn't say it was like, I almost, I mean, I kind of, I miss it, the the trouble that we had to go to, like, like you had to earn this shit. We, because I remember certain albums being like, when I started getting into really weird stuff and punk stuff, like calling record stores, I'm like, before I drive over there, do you have it? No. Okay, let's call it something, because like Chicago Burbs is like, I could go any direction and hit a record store, but are they going to have it? I'm going to call first. You remember when people used phones for making phone calls? Yes. <laughs> That's also, that also, used I mean, to and, and buying it's funny mentioning this because a lot of McCartney's solo B sides were only available in Europe. So you had to search the import racks at your record shops to see if they had whatever mm-hmm. was listed in a magazine as being released. Because yeah, pre-internet mm, yeah. days. Yeah, and then I mean, I mean, honestly, place for getting weird, uh, rare music or import stuff. eBay came around in, I mean, it was founded in '95, but like I didn't use it until I think the first thing I bought on it might have been my synthesizer, and that was in 2000. So like pre-YouTube or anything like that, you couldn't just look it up and maybe this. No stores near you had it. If you were hip to eBay, you could get on there and see if you could get someone to to sell it to you. That's Amazon became a good way to get imports for a while. Yeah, when did they start selling stuff other than books, though? I want to say it had to be like ninety seven, ninety eight. You can get music. So because I remember getting CDs when I was in college. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Man, it's all a blur. I mean, I was still getting most of my CDs by going to the store, but we had a lot of good record stores by where I grew up, so that usually wasn't a problem. Um, yeah, younger people listening to this are like, what are you talking what are you about? Talking? Amazon, yeah. sells, Amazon sells everything. They didn't. <laughs> no, you used to go to Tower bookstore. Records for your music. Yeah, that's, that's a good place, place to get they would have like the deal racks, like stuff you'd go on release day and they would have bought yeah. like a billion boxes of whatever, you know, kid a or whatever big album came out and they'd be selling them for like seven bucks, you know, and then maybe a week later they'd be higher. So you'd go yes. on release day and you'd buy it, buy it then. And back and then release these. day was Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Yeah. Cause I skipped school plenty for, to get albums. <laughs> yeah i used to go yeah because well my first teaching job was in 03 i remember several times like because i taught even closer to chicago proper than i than i was than i where i grew up and i would like write a dismissal like kids would leave i'd leave and there was a Best Buy, fairly close by, and Best Buy used to have lots of CDs. You go there now, and it's like 
They got like a little garbage bag full of CDs. So like, anyone want these? Um, they might have LPs now, which is weird. And if you remember, Best Buy always had great bonus discs. Exactly right. I would get the expanded editions. I remember yeah. getting like thrice expanded edition Arson Ambulance Strokes uh, third album. You know, the big one had like you could swap out the cover art. Yeah, like there were reasons to buy. They gave you reasons to buy the physical, and I think that's probably because iTunes was starting to creep up with like mp3 sales where you still have to buy it but they're trying to get you to buy the whole album man we are this is the old man episode is what this is yeah this went off the rails pretty quick <laughs> that's all right so uh the original Savoy shuffle has saxophones but the team bg version has john Linnell saxophones yes and I mean, is wonderful whew, yeah i love just yeah, and it doesn't I mean, can we confirm that though? Do you know? Because the Savoy Truffle wiki page doesn't have a credits no, page. No, there's but nothing it's on definitely, it. Definitely it's definitely not Stan Harrison, because you I mean, I can tell a good honk kind of sax from Linnell. You can tell the style, and I mean we're gonna hear Stan Harrison, I mean, of all the horns that have played with the band, he's been with them the longest. He's you're gonna hear him playing with them. Yeah. Is in ninety two, you know, he's been with them forever. Um but he wasn't like the studio saxophonist until like I don't know, the mid two thousands, two thousand tens. That was when they really started bringing in Linnell was just like, Okay, I don't have to play all the saxes, like get in here. And there was another guy for a while, I'm forgetting his name, that played some sax stuff in the nineties in the electric days, but this is, I mean, it really sounds like Linnell, you know, bass and Barry sax just blasting it, don't you think? Yeah, no, that it very much reminds me of the way he's played on other songs live. So that's why I'm leaning towards it's probably him. And they weren't recording an album really at this point because it's 02. So it might yeah. be a little before spine and here comes the abc started so this could have they very tracked much... it along yeah 2002 i guess yeah no would have already come out so they were really in between stuff this might have yeah this would unless yeah. they recorded this during the no sessions yeah depends how far ahead they were asked they could that that yeah that could have been the case though really production wise it doesn't sound much like the no production it's kind of like its own thing. Yeah, like a one-off. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it comes across to me, but it's a cool version. I actually sent it Definitely. to my dad. Yeah, I, I sent a YouTube link of it to my dad just like an hour ago, and like, oh, you're going to like this episode. And he's like, wait, he's like, that's Team BG doing Savoy Truffle? I said, yep. Yeah, because like the YouTube link isn't listed as I mean it's not on the Particle Man channel, and he's like I never would have guessed. I'm like, the the voice, you know these these dudes are known for their voices, their silly voices, um, but this is like he's just like so low, yeah, to where he almost loses some of his like, I mean we can tell it's Linnell, but like to someone who's a little more casual of a listener or something like, it's almost monotone. Yeah, he's like really going some kind of like 
it's not gruff enough to be Tom Waits, but it's almost like one of those like Leonard Cohen, Tom Waits kind of things where he's like kind of saying it and singing it like it's a sing kind of thing, you know? It's almost, I want to use the term like a lazy vocal. Like, I'm just saying these lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm bored, sort of like an bored type of lyric. (laughs) And maybe that's a commentary on the song itself. Like basically pointing out they're like they just tossed this one off. Yeah. I don't know. I mean that thought just came to my brain, but it seems like something That's that very, yeah. <laughs> Cause they've done that kind of thing before where it's almost like not that they're mocking the Beatles, but almost just like guys, we know, you know, you weren't writing this to be a hit. You're just like Okay, it's going to be double LP. We're going to need some more songs, guys. And what's you know? funny is this song being not even a song of substance. And George had other songs that he put out for the White Album that weren't included. That's so silly. Yeah, man. It, yeah, it's crazy to think that on a double LP like this that they were holding back songs. Yeah, basically a whole Did- other LP worth of songs. Did did some of those come out on All Things Shall Pass? No, it's all on the lovely box but he set. Didn't, but he didn't redo any of them for that? Um, that well, was like that gave, was a total like content dump. Yeah. But he gave mind. he used not guilty in seventy eight for one for one of his LPs. He gave um, Sour Milk C to Jackie Lomax, who was an Apple recording artist at the time. Oh. And uh, he also used circles in, I want to say it was the late 70s, early 80s. Oh, so he had three extra songs. Huh. That's weird. So we're not going to analyze like the lyrics because they're not written by TMBG. But I will say that my favorite is how he points out, like, that they, they, it's a very TMBG thing that he, they, he name drops a Paul song. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you know, which that what you eat, you are, and what is sweet now turns sour. We all know, but can you show me where you are? And what that reference is, um, Paul made them do over a hundred takes of before, (laughs) and there are several different versions of that song. And supposedly they were all over it by the time they got to the final one. Because if you hear in the outtakes, they're basically just slamming down the keys when they're playing it. Like, all right, we're done with this. So, yeah, a nice little commentary. You can see George is already starting to have enough of Paul, which would really blossom into full on walking out of the band a few months later. Yeah during the yeah. get back sessions. Yeah, that was um we can't get off on another tangent. But that that no. uh, <laughs> that documentary was cool. Even for me it was a little long, but like Carr gave up on it like an hour in and I stuck it through it I mean it took me like a week to watch, not because I didn't like it, because it's long. Um I mean I find a lot of it interesting. There I think I've watching. watched yeah, it maybe four could have times turned this. already. 
I believe that. Um, but I'd say uh, it's, I mean, to sum it up, I'd say it's a good cover. You know, let's think about our scores here. We're going to score these. As a cover, I think, I mean, just with that random idea that the Johns would never confirm that perhaps it's a commentary on this being a tossed-off song, which, you know, listing chocolates, essentially, I think um, that makes it even a better cover. And obviously, it's the it's very well recorded. Um, you know, they've done a shit ton of covers, but for ones they've done recorded well, like this is going to be released on something, it's really only a handful Um you know, Istanbul, yeah, yeah, and a few others. So, I mean, I think it really does the job. What do you think, and what are you going to score? Yeah, I like this cover quite a lot because it adds something. It's not a exact cover. It's their own version of it, which is always mm-hmm. a good way to put it. So I'll put this one at a seven. Okay. All right. I'm going to go... Yeah, I feel like that's about right. Um, it's just above middle of the road. Yeah, yeah. As far as being a good cover, like achieving its job as a cover, I'd say it's probably maybe at like an eight. But when you're saying like in the TMBG canon, it's going to be lower. I think I'm. Yeah, I think I'm going to go seven. Is yeah, seven seems right. Yeah, I'm rating it against other covers of theirs because, yeah, they've done a, enough yeah, for them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All righty, that is the end of the free portion of this episode. You got like a third of this Patreon episode for free, y'all. To hear the rest, go to patreon.com slash this might be a podcast and sign up. Two bucks get you merch. We got lots of different types of merch. And uh, some exclusive episodes. $5 tier gets you all the exclusive episodes plus the merch. $10 tier uh, gets you all of that stuff I just said. Plus, you get to skip the line to be on the show. Most people wait like a year. You get on the $10 tier, whoop, right on to recording an episode with me. And $20 tier, you get a t-shirt or the purple toupee CD right away and uh, everyone gets those when they're on the patreon for at least up to a total of twenty dollars so anyway i also think i need to be acknowledging my awesome patrons more and i am going to read all of my patrons starting with their joined date the very first person to join was mr spencer parks Back in December 18th of 2018, still a Patreon member. Here's my active Patreon members from uh, oldest patron to newest. Spencer Parks, Averin Keating, John Eulis, Marianne McTrow, Dana Williamson, Ger Samuel, Carrie Hearn, Carla Hoffman, Becca Ganey, Mari Morton, Jacob McLeod, A.C. Nickel, Chris Oliveira, Brian Moross, Aaron S. Belinda Van Helden. Sarus Firavar, Donovan Campbell, Philip Lewis, Tara Trait, uh, the Sadie Hawkins Paws, Joseph Leary, uh, Di- uh, Diana Clater, Kai Pfeiffer, Kai Gilmore, Joseph Devins, Jean Harrell, my mom, <laughs> Stanley Allen, Lydia Siksensky, Brian Hay, Heidi Wetzel, Leslie Gower, 
Chris Connaughton, Jonathan Leonard, Paul Swan, Mike Yank, Azim Khan, Jessica Rodenberger, John Kokonis, Adam Singer, William Calhoun, Joel Yalowitz, Ben Bird, Craig Parker, Nick Chimoff, and Tim Shapa. Thank you to all those patrons. You are the most amazing people. Thank you for supporting the show and allowing me to make cool merch and make it worth it for me to make exclusive episodes and to just keep the pod rolling. You are the best people. Anyone can join at patreon.com slash this might be a podcast and also visit us at this might be a podcast.com and go purchase the purple to pay CD to go towards Garrett's uh, medical debt. And you can get that at this might be a podcast.bandcamp.com. Thank you much. Go listen to the rest of the episode.